Welcome to the HEAL podcast for all things related to Lyme disease and other chronic illnesses. I'm Mimi McLean, Mama 5, founder of Lyme 360 and a Lyme warrior. Tune in each week to hear from doctors, health practitioners, and experts to hear about their treatments, struggles, and triumphs to help you on your healing journey. I'm here to heal with you. Hi, welcome back to the HEAL podcast from Lyme 360. This is Mimi, and today we have Daisy White. And she's a health advocate and has been dedicated to health her entire life. She's a certified in autonomic response testing by the Klinghart Academy and also a certified health specialist and certified natural health professional through the Trinity School of Natural Health. Daisy has been on her own health journey and struggling with chronic Lyme and Lyme disease as well. And she has helped many different clients who had no hope with their health and is now finding a state of remission. So I'm really excited to hear Daisy and talk about her experience today. Daisy, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. I wanted to first start out just having you talk about your own personal Lyme journey, if you're willing to share. Yes, of course. So I sort of had health issues from the age of, in my teens, pretty much on I did not know for many, many years what I was dealing with. Lyme was not a part of the picture. Back in the 80s when I was in college, I went to college in Vermont. We had all these alphabet diagnoses, CFS, you know, it was all these weird things. Nobody knew anything other than that. So Lyme was definitely not something that I had on my radar. And I definitely got onto like a path of taking better care of myself, trying to figure out what was wrong with me. When I graduated college in 89, I saw a regular MD that gave me like low doses of an antidepressant thinking I had CFS, EDV, some sort of thing like that. And it became clearer as I got older and tried to become pregnant that there was a more complex issue. And at the time, I was working with a doctor in LA and I had taken, I grew up in Europe, so I had tons of metal in my mouth. And I was seeing a doctor by the name of Dr. Gallitzer, who's a dear friend. And he was helping me as I was getting my mercury amalgams removed. And I have a very, very bad dental catastrophe that happened on this path. But anyway, long story short, he said, well, if I were you, I would go see Dr. Klinghart because he's great at both those things, you know, your fertility issues and dental. And I was like, well, who's he? And anyway, I did go see him. This was more than 10 years ago and was sort of the beginning of a longstanding collaboration, friendship, mentorship, and he said, we took one look at me and he's like, you have Lyme. I was like, what? I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, can we deal with this? Like, I can't, you know, carry your pregnancy in my teeth, in my teeth, in my teeth. <laughs> so uh, there began, you know, my understanding of really something way deeper, something that I had no, really hadn't really put my lens on or my microscope on. And slowly but surely, my journey into my own understanding of my health and mining that and mining that journey and then starting to mine it for other people. Unfortunately, I had over 20 pregnancy losses, happily adopted a beautiful little boy who is now five. And it was great because with all the tools I had on board, I, I took care of his birth mom through her pregnancy and she had cerebral palsy, has cerebral palsy. 
and was at every doctor's appointment. So it was kind of like caring for one of my clients doing what I do, but also being my son's birth mom's, you know, advocate in some ways, unintentionally. But mm-hmm. then I was at his birth, we were at his birth, and I breastfed him as an adoptive mom because of just all the things I knew and had learned and, you know, had done. And have also been able to mentor some women through infertility journeys as a, you know, not just a Lyme journey, but just because I did so much and learned about reproductive immunology, which is a whole category unto itself, you know. And so I'm giving you very, very broad strokes here. (laughs) No, I know. I have have so many things. Okay. I have so many notes and so many questions that came out of it. First of all, I'm so sorry that you went through that with with your 20 pregnancies that didn't work out. I can't imagine the pain that went along with that. So I really, I'm truly, I'm sorry to hear that. But it brought up a really interesting point that I didn't even know about you. And I just was on the Lime Mind conference last weekend. And it was like, I don't know if you were on it, but there was a whole section about gestational Lyme and how they're now seeing that they're starting to be able to prove it, which before no one would actually believe it. And one of the things was just carrying to term. A lot of the women yeah. found out they had Lyme because they couldn't carry to term. And once yeah. they figured that out, yeah. even if they just gave antibiotics or whatever the course was while yeah. they were pregnant, it was able to hold the pregnancy for the rest of the, you know, of the term. So yeah. I'm glad you brought up that point because it's it definitely is something that people need to talk about and be aware if they keep having repeat. So there was this amazing man that is unfortunately passed away recently in New York who was a reproductive immunologist. And he actually, he didn't specifically work with Lyme patients, but he had all these things that he did, including giving women Neupogen and all kinds of things to help women carry to term who had repeat pregnancy loss. Also, in the beginning of my journey with infertility, I found this guy and another guy in New York who was doing. Uh, antibiotic pump for what he believed was chlamydia trachomatis. And he believed that any woman who had repeat pregnancy loss had chlamydia trachomatis. And of course, when I first started working with Dr. Klinghart, we explored this. I actually sent my menstrual blood to a lab in Greece where they identified that I had sort of a PCR of chlamydia trachomatis. And so we definitely treated that with antibiotics, IV. So yes, I mean, obviously there are so many things in terms of chronic infection, persistent infection that can lead to pregnancy loss, Lyme, chlamydia, trachomatis. And it's just, you know, I always talk about the Rubik's cube of each person's case and how do you put it together. And, you know, part of what I do is try to bring in all the different pieces and elements of that Rubik's cube because one particular practitioner doesn't have the ability to manage that. Now, were you a health advocate before you even got Lyme or what were you doing before this? Was I was this a total... actress. <laughs> you were an I actress. Was, I taught a writing class. You know, I wrote a one woman show about my life, about how, all the things that I had overcome. I had a very complex childhood, very eclectic and diverse and very neglectful. I think I really loved being an actress because I loved rolling my sleeves up and getting my fingers in the dirt of humanity and and humankind. And so my perception of being an actor was, you know, to be able to express all that. And then, you know, as time went on and stuff, I recognized that the business certainly didn't have that aspect. It really wasn't for me, but I did do this amazing one woman show. I worked with an amazing mentor and director and teacher named Larry Moss, who directed 
a one woman show about my life and I mind it deeply. And it's interesting because in hindsight and working with Dr. Klinghart, he does this thing called family constellation based on Bert Hellinger's work. And I essentially did my own family constellation without knowing that I was doing it. (laughs) So in many ways, I was already doing this work. And I think at some point in my 40s, I surrendered to the fact, because I had done so much work on healing my own life because of my upbringing, that my mission here was to heal myself and help others heal and, you know, not to try to overthink it. And so that changed, you know, my, my course of of care and dedication in the world, which suits me, I feel. No, that's amazing. That's amazing. So would you say you're like at remission covered? Are you back to normal or you're better than you were before? Because it sounds like you had a lot of health issues growing up. I have a lot of difficulty with that terminology because, you know, like I feel that remission is a term that we borrowed from the cancer world. And I don't really know if I agree that we ever really have remission. I feel that the paradigm shift for a Lyme patient, and I'm speaking about myself, but I also see it a lot with people that I work with, is different. I have been able to look at my health as an evolving and shifting process throughout my life. And so I don't ever want to be how I was because how I was didn't include who I've become and all the mm-hmm. knowledge that I date in terms of how I manage my health and who I was at 20 and who I am now at 54. They're completely different. And you know, my experience of my body then versus my experience of my body today are completely different. So there really is no comparison. And I guess I should say, are you symptom free? Like, or do you still have aches and pains or brain fog or? I don't have brain fog. I never did have brain fog. That was not really one of my symptoms. So not fair to use that as a comparison. I did have severe and chronic pain throughout my body. And sometimes I even limped. I don't have that anymore. I do not no. have that. Mm-hmm. No. And so, yeah, I mean, I can use certain symptoms, you know, to see as a marker. Let's just say this. I work with anywhere between 30 to 40 families at any given time. I travel Uh all over the world and I have a five-year-old and a husband and that's a lot to do. And I can do do that. Yeah. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. That's a sign right there that you can, you're you're back and better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. So, That's amazing. So can you tell um, our listeners like what a health advocate does? Like what do you do with each family? Yeah. So, I mean, I coined the phrase for myself that I was a health advocate, but I'm not really even sure if it's an accurate terminology, to be honest with you. I do. I have noticed that many people have cropped up as health advocates now and I recognize that it's become a thing and I'm happy about that because we need more people helping. My job is very multitasked. I do many, many different things and it's different with each family because sometimes families have different needs. I often come in to a case when the person or the family or or family members, because sometimes it's more than one family member, have exhausted a lot of their resources in terms of, and I'm not just talking about financial resources, but emotional resources in terms of like, we have no idea where we are or what we're doing. We're in a dark hallway and we've seen a thousand people and nobody can give us any information about really what's going on. And that's not entirely always true. Sometimes I come on board when people are newly diagnosed because they've heard that this is what I do and they want to 
guide themselves in the proper course of direction, which actually is a great thing because then I can cut a lot of, you know, the years out where people are mm-hmm. kind of doing. So part of my job is to assess where they're at, assess what they've done, figure out what's working, what's worked, what hasn't, and look at all of their data and see, well, did anybody address this or, you know, and then start working forward. Now I work with multiple practitioners all throughout the world. And part of my job also is to find the right person that fits that particular case, that particular temperament, that particular set of needs, that family's picture could be financial picture, could be, you know, some of their belief systems. I mean, it's, it's a little bit like finding the right fit, but then it's also being the on the ground protocol police a lot of times it's planning travel, you know, and making sure they get the right care when we're on the go and on the move. Sometimes it's being a counselor to the family members that just don't understand or helping the family develop contacts for the patient because nobody understands what they're going through. I mean, I could go on, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but what I do is branches in many directions. Sometimes it's shopping for people's food or setting up a, right. you know, or finding the right. IV care at their home or yeah I mean I wish I had found you I remember saying to my husband when I was like under my lowest point just saying this is crazy that like we need to remember when someone's sick that they you can't expect them to be making their own doctor's appointments like for me like when I was at my lowest to like like my husband you know I love him to death but he would be like we need to find the right doctor I'm like I don't I don't feel well enough to even sit up to research it to then go make the phone call like I don't have the answer. If someone were to tell me the doctor I need to call, I'll call them or I'll have them call them. I just, to even make that it's phone often, call and make that appointment, there's a lot to do when you don't feel well. Exactly. And oftentimes it's not just calling one doctor. Like, I think I wrote an article for Lime Nation once about, you know, how most people have like 25 doctors and 25 protocols and 10 of them are on their counter and the other 10 they haven't even ordered because they don't really know if they're good for them or not and they have to vet them, but they're running late to an appointment and they haven't, you know, get an IV, but they don't really even have their clothes on. You know, it's like, so part of what I also, you know, I like to say to people like, okay, so you have 25 chefs in your kitchen. You don't know who the executive chef is. You've got 20 of them being the executive chef. My job is to be the sous chef and to tell you which one is the executive chef or appoint an executive chef and then tell you when guest chefs can come in because this is a mess, you know, mm-hmm. and they're not actually accomplishing anything. So if someone was newly diagnosed right now mm-hmm. and they were either mm-hmm. waiting for an appointment for you or didn't mm-hmm. know about you, mm-hmm. what would you recommend that they could do right from home right away? Like, is there anything that you're like, okay, you need to do immediately to get you on the right path while you're waiting for your appointment? Sure. And that's a good question. Unfortunately, that's not, there is no one size fits all answer. You know, if someone's newly diagnosed and they have a Lyme Western blot positive, then of course, you know, they should do a longer course of doxy than anybody will tell them. (laughs) But that's, you know, complicated at best. But there are some herbs. I mean, BioPure has the cocktail, which is a great, you know, biocidin is one. I mean, there are, there are some great herbs out there on the market now. 
the Cowden protocol has a lot of herbs also that kind of mimic some of that or the cocktail mimics some of that. Or, you know, I'm not big on like propriety when it comes to all these things because everybody's like, well, I invented that, but I invented that. But ultimately there are amazing herbs that can be used for more chronic cases that don't even know where to begin. There's just so many tools, you know, if somebody was diagnosed newly and they had access to getting high dose vitamin C, that would be a great place to begin. Or even taking it orally, you know, there's mm-hmm. just there's a lot of things that can help with infection if people don't have a place to go yet. Do you find that most patients should be on the same kind of diet? You know, like a low gluten, low calorie, or no? Well, yes. I don't think anybody, whether you're healthy or not, <laughs> should be eating gluten. But I mean, I'm going to repeat myself again and again, but I just don't think that there is anything one size fits all. Like Mm -hmm. some people have a tendency towards elevated A1C, you know, because that's just a, you know, that's one of their genetic predispositions. And some people, you know, have low A1C. So, you know, they do really well with smoothies and fruit and, you know, it's just, not everybody's the same, number one, and not everybody, you know, it's funny, you see, you see Lyme patients that are like super, super thin, and you know that Lyme has impacted them in a particular way. And then you see Lyme patients more like myself that wrestle with their weight, you know, and that's something that they have to manage. That is one thing that hasn't disappeared for me post, you know, my Lyme journey. I used to be a really thin person, and now I manage, you know, it's more difficult for me to manage my weight. So, it affects and impacts different people's bodies, you know? And so there's never, I never say there's one specific diet. And I don't also feel that like super restrictive diets are, are always good for people. Anyway. Yeah. I noticed yeah. that you um, have your certification in autonomic response testing from the Clean Heart Academy. Can you talk a little bit about yes. that? I, I've heard a bunch about that. Do you actually practice that and, and do that for patients? I am able to test people in autonomic response. Yes, I am certified by what was originally Klinghart Academy, which is now Klinghart Institute. And it's an amazing tool. Dr. Klinghart invented autonomic response testing. And there is applied kinesiology and people use that much more ubiquitously. Nutrition response testing is much more pervasive and everywhere. But autonomic response testing uses, in fact, I happen to have one of these in front of me. (laughs) So it uses this signal enhancer, which is light refraction, and it uses testing into the body and how it refracts light. And how it refracts light helps us understand what's working or not working within the the body. And so it's a very difficult and sophisticated form of testing that Dr. Klinghart teaches still. And it's amazing. It's an amazing tool, especially for people who have complex cases. It helps us dig deeper and look at what's missing or what's not being looked at. And I do, you know, when I'm working with clients that are either working with, you know, traditional MDs that don't necessarily have an understanding of muscle testing and are more open. Like I work with Dr. Lehman in LA a lot, who's a wonderful open-minded MD, obviously who's functional, but she's, she's very open. She's very open to muscle testing and some MDs are. And so if somebody has like a Babesia case and Dr. Lehman will prescribe, you know, say, well, these are the four things that could work. I can test which one could work best. And mm-hmm. because each body 
not always going to respond to the same treatment. And so what's great about that is that it kind of refines the things for, you know, the treatment course for people. And it also, I think it helps clients, patients, I like to call them clients because I'm not medically licensed and it's better for me to call them clients. They get a compass of sorts for themselves. And one of the things that I find really true for Lyme patients or chronic illness patients is that they have lost their own internal compass because they've had so many people tell them what's wrong with them. And they develop a, a, a relationship to trusting their own inner compass again because there's an outer compass that's letting them know that what they feel is accurate. That's great. What would you attribute? I know you can't attribute it one thing, but if you were to do top three or five things that kind of got you back to, to normal or better. Yeah. That's always such a tough question because, you know, it's the, what's the one thing question. It's not um, right. Cause you don't, you're all, we're always doing multiple things. I would say to somebody like, yeah. well, like when I was already gung ho on Monday morning, I did these five things. I started actually taking my peptides. I actually started eating well. I actually, so it was, which one was it, <laughs> you know, or was it all of it? Yeah, no, I can't really say, you know, so much about the one thing. And I can certainly say about multiple things. I can definitely highlight or pinpoint some of the things that were very, very important in my case. And certainly my dental was a huge, huge thing for me. I have an honorary dental degree, unfortunately, but I had, you know, 17 mercury amalgams, which were poorly removed. And when they were taken out, it was just the person who is no longer alive, dug way too deep and really pretty much created a mouthful of root canals. Oh and my gosh. Even though I didn't want the root canals, I mean, I literally, I was, I mean, barely 40. I literally had very little choice other than to lose all my teeth at 40 or to, you know, get root canals. And at the time I was not savvy enough and I certainly didn't want to be toothless at 40. So I opted for lots of root canals and I did them with ozone. I did them with this and I did them with that. And then I took all of the gutta percha or the special resin out. And then I went to a special dentist that would irrigate them with, you know, hydrogen peroxide medical grade, like once a month. And, and I would go home and I would be in like massive amounts of pain because it was just a disaster. And I finally conceded that they had to come out, you know, and that I had to, you know, stop having chronic infection in my mouth. And I work a lot with Swiss Biohealth Clinic for myself and for many of my clients. And I, you know, was brave enough to remove all 14 of my root canals and zirconium implants, which I do. And that was a huge, that was a huge necessity and, and brave (laughs) journey and choice, which I really did not want, but it worked. It helped. And then One of the things that was amazing for me, and I'm trying to potentially implement more of these throughout the world and the country, and is I have a friend in Tarzana, and he has what we call, he calls it EBU, I call it RHP, recirculatory hemoperfusion. It's ozone dialysis, and he's patented now a machine that is able to be used more everywhere, you know. And so the thing is, is it's amazing because it's like a third or more of your blood volume within an hour sitting of ozone. And I did about 12 of those at a juncture in my health where I really was struggling. And I can't tell you how that shifted things for me. And it's not for everyone. It's definitely not for the newly diagnosed person because it's it's intense. And especially if you don't have any experience with ozone, it's like, whoa, you know, mm-hmm. you're 
you're in one arm out the other and it's like dark and bright cherry red but it's an amazing treatment and it was really really hugely helpful for me parasite treatment was hugely helpful for me my journey began in Africa when I first got sick and I had very bad dysentery I see when I work with clients that many many people have a parasite instigation that they don't think is part of the thing that they're managing you know they were in India they were in Africa they were and so they don't always look at that as the the beginning of the journey of then weakening their immune system and then you know Lyme sort of setting up residence but for me that was definitely true and I guess in some ways what I'm describing is what it is that I do. So when I look at all these different things, like for example, if I were to, somebody were to come to me and I you know, hear all the things I'm describing to you, I'd be like, okay, well, we're going to have to go to Switzerland. We're going to have to do this. Or if they can't afford that, then I'll have to find another way to make that happen. And you know, I guess in some ways I would recoin my title as sort of like your ultimate best health midwife, you know, mm-hmm. how to kind of birth everyone's greatest health. Kind of like an event planner for your body. (laughs) (laughs) For the best body, for the best party. (laughs) The party in my body. (laughs) You're making it have the best party. We're planning the best, you know, and then you're going to coordinate everybody and get that going. (laughs) Okay, well, that's interesting. Although I'm going to do muscle testing during the party too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Um, Now, how would someone find you if they want to work with you? Because I definitely Uh, get people calling and being like, where do I start? And unfortunately, a lot of people don't have the financial resources, unfortunately. And a lot of it's not covered. So, you know, I always say to people, they're like, I don't have the money, but what do I do? really sad to me. And and I I have done pro bono work and I do do pro bono work. And I think it's important for all of us to do that. Is that even if I were to take on your case and manage your case, you know, pro bono, and I'm not, is this not an advertisement for pro bono work? No, but you're making a point that like, even if you are free, the process is My not free. resources are not, <laughs> yes, you know, exactly. I mean? and I don't know what we would potentially do for someone who had zero you know, I have a fantasy that someday, you know, I'll have like some sort of donation from God where I'm allowed to like manage 20 cases per year and there's unlimited funds for each of them. <laughs> right. Well, it's just sad that none of this is covered by insurance. Like even oh, the basics no. of like a vitamin C drip, you know, that can oh yeah, yeah. huge but beneficial. Like how is that? Or even the antibiotics, like you said, like I had the pump antibiotics in from a doctor in New York City, it was costing me $1,500 a week in antibiotics. I know, I know. Unfortunately, that conversation is very arduous and we have lots to say about it. And yeah, exactly. It's a whole other one. Like, <laughs> it's a whole other conversation. Documentary. <laughs> it's a documentary. And if you're, you know, a documented Lyme patient, your insurance company will be even harder on you. And all these things are true. But, and part of this conversation in this political health climate today is it valuable conversation because how do people carve out health for themselves in the world that we live in today? And if our belief system is that it should all be taken care of, we're not going to get well. Um, Mm -hmm. And ultimately it's about personal responsibility and what do we want for our own bodies and our own health and for our families. And, you know, a lot of my job's education, you know, Mm -hmm. teaching people about things they've never heard of, teaching people about what worked for me or teaching people about what worked for other people and also teaching people about what's available and what might suit them. 
And so it's, you know, support, education, support, education, you know, getting to the place. And we have to educate ourselves. We all have to educate ourselves. There's so many things that are being said. Some of them are true. Some of them are not true. And we have to find our way. Mm-hmm. It's true. So do you have a website or something that someone could reach out I to? I It's just daisywhite.com. My Instagram is at Anne April Daisy. My name is April Daisy White. So Anne April Daisy. And you can find my website on my Instagram. And I've never advertised, unfortunately. That's not been my thing. I just really made a, a point of being of service to people who need help in this community. And I just keep serving. <laughs> so that's how I found you through word of mouth. I've had different, yeah. some of your patients say, oh, you need to talk to Daisy. And so I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, I kept hearing your name. And I was like, I got to call, I got to find you. And I, that's when I Googled you and found you. Yeah. So thank I, you. This has been amazing. I really yeah. appreciate it. I know we could talk for hours and hours yeah. about this because I could really yeah. dig in there and really find out what's going on. Because I don't think people have realized the whole, there is health advocates out there to help you, that you don't have to do mm-hmm. this alone. Um, especially if you have the resources, because it, it is daunting. And like in my case, where here I was sick, my husband's trying to keep the pieces together with my five kids and also make income, you know, then it leaves me kind of hanging, you know? And so it, it maybe if I had found you five years ago, it wouldn't have been five years of... You bring up a really important point. I have this lovely mother-daughter that I work with on the East Coast that are amazing, wonderful people. And their relationship as mother-daughter was highly negatively impacted by the Lyme journey and the mother becoming the advocate. And when I came in to be the advocate, they changed their relationship back to mother-daughter. And I actually was able to do the work and take care of the situation in a way that made the family find their health again as a family. So that's an important point. And I love to be able to make an impact in that way. That's great. Thank you so much for all that you do. It's really amazing. And uh, I wish you the best. And I thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Have a lovely day. If you would like to learn more about Daisy White, check out our website at Lime360.com. We have our transcript notes there from each podcast episode. And please subscribe to our podcast and also subscribe to our newsletter. We send out each week a newsletter with the transcript and who's on the podcast. Thanks again. Take care.